What makes a good story? I, I think about um, movies. Well, what makes a good movie, the, the story? Uh, there's so many different parts when you, when you think about why, why would I like this movie and not that one because there's just a lot of movies out there. And so I, I th- thought about maybe it's the setting. Um, the Martian is kind of a, maybe it's five years old, um, but the setting, it, it's just different than the rest of them. Maybe you think back to like Star Wars, something you know, a little further back that was just different than, than a setting we're used to. Maybe it's the plot, maybe something like The Notebook. I don't know if you've heard of that one or, or any Hallmark movie. I mean, it's just the story um, is, is the only, I don't want to say that they're good, but um, the reason some people like them. It could be the music. Of, I, don't, I don't know if you remember from 1997, there's a movie called Titanic. And I think that movie is good because Celine Dion sings, My Heart Will Go On. I mean, I c- you want me to sing it? Uh, <laughs> yeah, no way. Um, but movies like, like Disney movies, uh, Beauty and the Beast, um, then, you know, maybe the, the climax of a movie is what really does it. If you've seen Frozen, yeah, I've, that's all I get to watch is, is, is kids' Disney movies. Um, but then I, I thought more and more about what makes a good movie, and I really think it's, it's the characters. I mean, if, if you think about all the entertainment we have, all the opportunity to, um, to choose, really, whatever we like, um, the, the best movies, and probably the most popular, uh, they've really focused on, on characters' personalities. If you look at the difference between uh, like a Marvel movie and a DC movie, superheroes movies, um, Marvel really started to add humor, and, and you get to know the person. And so I think the characters of a story, uh, that's really what makes us uh, enjoy it or, or want to be a part of it. And so today I want to talk about the characters of Christmas. Now, I hesitate to use the term characters because I think of characters, uh, I think of, you know, a fictional story. Um, and then when you talk about history and history books, then you, you don't call them characters, you call them people. But this is God's story, and so every person in it is, is a character in God's story. And so that's why I'm using that term. And so over the next three Sundays and Christmas Eve, we're going to look at different characters in the Christmas story. So today we're going to look at the life of Mary, the mother of Jesus. And so in Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 28, we'll see uh, a big part of her story. But what I, what I don't want to do is overemphasize Mary. I think some people have put Mary up on the same level as Jesus, and, and that's not right. Uh, others have completely left Mary out of the, of the story, and, um, uh, and, and maybe that's not right either. And so who was Mary? She wasn't the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Mary's not an angel. Mary is not divine in any way at all. But Mary was a teenage girl, and she, she chose to submit to God. Now she's in the story. We'll look, we'll look a little bit into what the Bible says uh, about her and, and what it doesn't say about her a little bit later. But let, let's look at her part in the Christmas story. And so Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse 26, it says this. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. And, and so a couple things here about this, uh, this to kind of the setting, I guess. 
Um, a virgin pledged to be married was usually a young girl, about uh, 12 to 14 years old. And, and she was as good as married, but the couple did not have the same physical relationship that a married couple would have. But also, if a man died during this time, uh, the girl would actually be known as a virgin widower. If, if as we'll see uh, in, in the Christmas story, and, and uh, especially even next week more, if she wanted to separate, or if they wanted to separate, there would have to be a divorce. So it was like an engagement, but a lot more than what we would call an engagement today. And so what happened here is God invited Mary to be a part of his story. And if you notice the details, the location, the ancestry, all the setting, words like Nazareth and Galilee, a virgin, a descendant of David, the details are mentioned because this is not the beginning of the story. The story has been going on for a long time. God has been making promises for thousands of years without Mary specifically mentioned by name. And now she's being invited into a bigger story, into God's story. The angel told her twice that she was favored by God, and we, we, we call that grace. We find favor with God, and he takes it even further, and he gives us the gift, which we'll talk about later. But the truth is, God invites us all into his story. The Bible is, is full of invitations of different kinds. I look at Luke 9, 23, when Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. An invitation to follow Jesus. Romans 10, 11, as scripture says, anyone who believes in him, Jesus, will never be put to shame. An invitation to be on the same side as Jesus, to be on the same team. John 4, 14, whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will be become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life, an invitation to eternal life. The Bible is full of invitations to us to join God's story. Mary was, was like that as well. Now, I think the order is important of this, and this might matter a lot for us because we might not really know where we are in this story. The first step, though, Mary didn't know any of the details other than that she was favored by God. She didn't know what was going to happen, how it would happen, the ending of the story. Mary, did you know? We're, we're actually going to sing that today. hope I didn't ruin it for the worship team. It's, I'm really excited about that song, but the truth is no, she didn't know. Mary didn't know what was going to happen. That's how our relationship with God works. We don't know what, what the future is going to hold. But I, I look at, I'm going to read a lot of scriptures today because the truth is if we want to be a part of God's story, then we need to know what his story is about. We need to know how we're invited into it. We need to know what he wants for us. And so we're going to keep looking at the different scriptures about being called into God's story. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 says, For it is by grace you, you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by work so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. It always starts with God. Always. He gives us freedom to live how we want, but we can do nothing of eternal significance without being connected to him. The vine and the branches that Jesus talks about, we have to submit to him. We have to stay connected if we want our lives to, to matter, if we want to be a part of this big story. Because God is in control. It's his story. But thankfully, he wants us all in the story. It's not a question of, well, am I invited? Am I going to get the part? If you want to be in his story, you're invited. Second Peter 3, 9, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness, 
Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. You wanted Mary in this story? I want you to know the Bible and, and every, every, every page, maybe, maybe every, every chapter, every book points to the idea that God loves you and he wants you in the story as well. Back to Mary, verse 31. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Never-ending story. God gave the invitation through an angel, and, and Mary hasn't run away just yet. She hasn't said, no, I'm out. I'm not going to be a part of this. And although it doesn't always seem to happen this way, she is given some of the details of what will happen. Because she's been chosen to be a part of an age-old story. And I, I really like this, this idea that God chose a teenage girl to be one of the most important characters and one of the most important stories of all time. If you think you're not, not good enough to be a part of the story, uh, how do you think Mary felt? She was going to be, um, she was going to be put in front of people and, and humiliated uh, because, well, she, she, uh, she wasn't married and, and now she's going to be pregnant. I don't, I don't know the feelings that she would have, but she was still willing to submit. This is one of many stories that leads me to believe that God uses us in his story. It's more than just kind of being in there, but you have a part. Now, Mary has not gone through the proper protocol to having a baby, but the angel tells her that she's going to give birth to a son. And so she asks this pretty fair question, I think. She says, how will this be since I am still a virgin? Now, in the story before, um, a man named Zechariah was told that his elderly barren wife was also going to have a child. And, and Zechariah was a priest, and he didn't really believe. Um, and so... Um, he just didn't believe that it was going to happen. Now, Mary asks the details, but she still believed. She still had faith. And so, I, I don't know, I just I found it interesting that the, the teenage girl showed more faith than the priest, someone who had been living for God, looking to God his whole life. And she had more, it just makes me think, like, you know, the titles and the positions and, and uh, in, in age. And, and if you've been going to church your whole life or you've been coming for, if this is your first Sunday, you can still show faith. You're still invited into the story. And that's the, that's the, the beauty of this relationship. It doesn't have to start when you're born. You don't have to be born in the church. You are welcome, and you are invited. And you can show just as much faith. And, and maybe you're going to be a bigger part of the story than someone who's been here their whole lives. See, what I see is we won't always understand. If you really want to be a part of God's story, you have to stop trying to figure it all out. Now, Hear me out here. In Philippians 2, we always look at verses 1 through 11 because it's great. It's, it's about Jesus and, and, uh, and who he was and how he lived. But right after that, in verse 12, it says this. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. See, another reminder that we are part of his bigger story. But we still have to work it out in fear and trembling. Keep studying, keep praying, keep pursuing knowledge. But do it so you can serve God, not so that you can just know everything. That was the issue with Adam and Eve in the very beginning. They wanted to know like God. They wanted to be like God and have that same knowledge. 
And so they sinned because they were making themselves their God. Mary wanted to understand, but when we get to the end of, this, end of the story, you're going to see there's a really good reason why she wanted to know what was going on. And I think, I think just like her, we try to understand, but maybe we do it because we want to be in control of the situation, or we always want to be right, or we don't want to be embarrassed. But when we, would, but when we live our life to try to know everything for our sake, we're missing out on what God is wanting us to do. We're just wasting time. We submit to him. And so the story keeps going. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. Mary didn't know specifically how to follow God. And we won't always know the next step. But the Holy Spirit filled her, and the Holy Spirit will also fill us. That's part of the story. Galatians 3, he redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. We're not alone in this story. We're being guided. Just like Mary, God guides us in his story. I like the, the illustration of, of a sailboat. If you think about how a sailboat works, you can put up the sails, uh, pull the main sheet fast, adjust the jib. I don't know what any of those things mean. So I just I just googled how do you how do you run a sailboat? Um, but without the wind, you're not going anywhere. We, we we can all figure that part out. Maybe even worse, we we waste so much of our time and our resources trying to make the boat go without the sail, when all along God was willing to make it go for us. We just had to submit and do some things that he asked us to do instead of trying to do it on our own. Instead of doing what God leads you to do, you might want to have control. I, I get that. I'm kind of, I, I kind of feel that way sometimes. I, I want to make sure I, I want things to be done, but I want it to be done my way. But sometimes we have to give up that. Sometimes we have to give up comforts and status. So God invited Mary into the story. And, and this is the response that she gave, and this is the response I think all of us should give. It's verse 38. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And the angel left her. That's it. All, these, all this, uh, hey, there's going to be some things that you've never seen before. This is going to be crazy. Now you're going to be a part of this too. She just says, okay, I'm the Lord's servant. That was it. That's our response. He didn't tell her it would be easy. He didn't tell her it would be safe or comfortable. He didn't tell her that she would be in control or in 2,000 years, people would still be talking about her. But she still submitted to him. We choose to be a part of God's story. Now, you can be in God's story and not be a part of it. I mean, we can read through the Bible and see people who are in the story, but they're not necessarily on God's side. Cain, Pharaoh, Goliath, Judas, Ananias and Sapphira, Herod. These are all stories that we read and we say, okay, we shouldn't be like that. Um, but it doesn't always look like a bad guy in the story. Sometimes, sometimes it's probably even worse. See, in this, uh, this, this story I said I would tell a, a little bit ago, it's this idea of I want to follow God, um, but only on my terms. And I think I read this a few weeks ago, but I'm going to come back to it because this really... This really shows us a much more dangerous place to be than even someone who knows they're going against God or his servant. 
It's Matthew 19, beginning at verse 16. It says this. Just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me what is good? Jesus replied, There's only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones, he inquired. Jesus replied, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said, what do I still lack? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go, sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad, because he had great wealth. The young man lacked, he lacked faith, and he chose not to be a part of God's story. And I don't want to focus on the money part there, because I don't think that's really the issue here. He wanted to follow God but he wanted to do it on his own terms. That's not an option. See, he was wealthy, so why didn't, why didn't Jesus say to the man, you know what, you should be very generous. You should go build a hospital. Um, you, should, uh, you should invest, and because you already have great wealth, so invest more and get more wealth, and then, and then give a percentage and just keep doing that, because that's financially, that makes sense. No, the issue is that the man wanted to follow Jesus on his own terms, and Jesus said, no, you can't do that. You have to do it my way. You have to completely give up everything. You have to be willing to give up everything to follow me. So what's the thing that you won't give up for Jesus? That's probably what he's asking you to give up today. What would it it take for you to give up your own story to be a part of a much greater story? In 2012, a 75-year-old Marion Shirtliff purchased a Bible in a used bookstore near her home in California. After making her purchase and returning home, she discovered a a couple of folded pages tucked in the middle of the Bible. The contents of the yellowed notebook sheets contained a child's handwriting that looked familiar. To her amazement, she discovered that her name was at the top of the first page. When she looked closer, she realized that she was actually reading a four-page essay she had written as a 10-year-old to earn a merit badge for the Girl Scouts in Kentucky, more than 2,000 miles from where she had just purchased the Bible. By her own account, she was deeply moved. I opened the Bible, and there was my name. I recognized my handwriting. I was shaking, literally. I was crying. Although it remains a mystery as to how the essay ended up in the Bible and a used bookstore halfway across the country, one thing is certain. When we look deeply into God's Word, we see evidence of our lives, too. In the pages of Scripture, we see individuals just like us, People who pursue faith and hope in God. People who also battle depression and doubt and lust and pride. And as we read biblical stories about Abraham and Ruth and David and Mary and Peter, we recognize our own life. To be a part of God's story, I mean people who literally trust God fully and express that faith, even when it doesn't make sense. Another story, I'm not going to read it because it's like 40 verses, but Hebrews 11. It, It says, um, it, it lists off some people, Abel and Enoch and, and Noah and Abraham. But before every person, it says this, by faith, Enoch, by faith, Abraham. It's always by faith. Now, grace is offering us to be a part of God's story. The grace is God saying, I want you to be a part of my story in my kingdom. Faith is accepting it. Bible scholar and pastor N.T. Wright he retells the following story about a bishop who was hearing a confession of sin from three teenagers in church. 
Now, all three boys were trying to make a joke out of it, so they met with the bishop and confessed to a long list of ridiculous and grievous sins that they had not committed at all. It was all a joke. But the bishop, seeing through their bad practical joke, played along with the first two who ran out of the church laughing. But then he listened carefully to the third prankster, and before he got away, he told the young man, Okay, you have confessed these sins. Now, I want you to do something to show your repentance. I want you to walk up to the far end of the church, and I want you to look at the picture of Jesus hanging on the cross. And I want you to look at his face and say, you did all that for me, and I don't care that much. I want you to do that three times. And so the boy went up front, looked at the picture of Jesus, and said, you did all that for me, and I don't care that much. And then he said it again a second time, but he couldn't say it a third time because he broke down in tears. And that bishop telling the story, the reason I know that story is, is that, N.T. Rice says, is how was the young man? There's something about the cross, something about Jesus dying there for us, which leaps over all theoretical discussions, all the possibilities of how we explain it this way or that way, and it grasps us. And he goes on, and when we are grasped by it, somehow we have a sense that what is grasping us is the love of God. Grace is God's gift of Jesus on the cross. Faith is trusting that the author of salvation has written a story so much greater than anything we could ever write. We just can't write that good of a story. But he has, and he's welcomed us in it. From the virgin birth to the cross to the resurrection, would you look to God and look at how he's proven himself to be faithful? Would you place your faith and your life in his hands? If you're ready to join this story, Would you please come talk to me, and I'll I'll walk you through this process. Let's pray. God, you are so good to us. You've you've made promises. You've you've shown us us history, and you've allowed us to be a part of it. And so I pray that all of us here, that we would at least consider the gift, uh, the story, and and an opportunity, not only here on earth, but, but forever, to know that this is a a forever story that it will never end. And God, we're so thankful uh, for that hope because in times like now, um, whether we're going through hardships or, or, or losing someone, just to know that this is for now and you've given us so much more. So God, I just pray that we continue to look ahead, that we keep our eyes focused on you and we continue to have the hope uh, that you give us through Jesus. So thank you for your son. It's in Jesus' name.